Take a Bible, please, and turn to Romans chapter 2. I'm going to start reading in verse 17 of Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, verse 17. Behold, thou art called a Jew, and resteth in the law, and makest thy boast of God, and knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and art confident that thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which hast the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Thou therefore which teachest another, Teachest thou not thyself, thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou not commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law through breaking the law, dishonoreth uh, thou God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as is written, for circumcision verily profiteth if you keep the law, but if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not the, his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the, la- the letter of circumcision doth transgress the law? For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward. In the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Let's pray. Praise Father, we thank you again for the wonderful privilege we have of having in our possession your very word that you gave to us via divine inspiration. We do thank you, Father God, that we have it. In our possession, we do pray tonight as we take some time to once again look into your word and open up its truth that, Lord, you would bless our hearts through it. You would encourage us by its truth. Give me wisdom, I pray, from on high to have that clarity of thought, that simplicity of speech, Father God, to be able to make your word clear. And may our hearts be blessed and refreshed, Father God, by your word this night. Use me to your glory. May your word speak to our hearts. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue in the book of Romans here in chapter 2, we find ourselves still present in God's courtroom. Now we find the third defendant takes the stand. He is what's known as the religious sinner. He typifies all strictly religious people who believe that they can buy their way to heaven. You know, these typically faithfully attend religious duties and faithfully attend religious services, and they do it for the purpose of earning their way to heaven. He prides himself in keeping of the religious practices of the Mosaic law. He thinks, surely, all my good works will see me through. They will keep me from eternal judgment. The charge against me must be false. And we've seen that God has condemned the previous two defendants 
But surely he couldn't condemn the religious sinner, this Jew, to eternity without God. After all, they were the sons of Abraham. They had the law. They had the sign of circumcision. For approximately 4,000 years, the Jews have continued as a distinct people in the world, refusing to be assimilated into other races. They've been persecuted, yet they remain, even reappearing as a nation in 1948. In fact, they are the only nation in the world that has a guaranteed future. Even the prosecution, the Apostle Paul agrees with some of the things they say. He greets them and even compliments them for their observance of the law and for their privileged place and ethical life. And indeed, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, the religious sinner here in Romans chapter 2 is a privileged people. But as we will come to see, privilege comes with responsibility. And they pray them, pride themselves in keeping the law, but that very law is what's going to condemn them, showing them that they are sinners before a holy God. We'll see also that they have circumcision, this, this sign of circumcision that they hold up as something they cling to as a means of salvation. But it's a false hope. And therefore, as we'll see, even the Jew is condemned to hell. In this section, Paul lists five advantages that the Jews pride themselves in and demonstrates why none of them are sufficient to get them to heaven. Now tonight, we're going to try and cover the first four of these uh, uh, demonstrations of their privileged position. And then next time, we'll cover the last four. We may not get through all four. I'll keep an eye on the time. We'll see how we go. But uh, we're going to start tonight uh, with these uh, principles, these, these examples of their privileged position. And I believe there's much we can learn from this. First of all, I want you to notice they were Jews. Verse 17, Behold, thou art called a Jew, and rest in the law, and maketh thy boast of God. Behold, thou art called a Jew. You know, the apostle here leaves us in no doubt as who he's talking to. Uh, in the first uh, two characters mentioned, there's a bit of ambiguity about who he's talking to, but here he leaves no doubt that he's talking about the Jew. And the name Jew comes from the name Judah, and it means one who is to be praised, or one who is praised. And the Jews were proud of that name. The Jews still are proud of that name. They're proud to be called a Jew, believing that anyone who bears the name Jew was praised of God. Look in verse 29 of Romans chapter 2. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the latter, whose praise is not a member of God. They believed that they were praised of God because they were Jews. Now it's true that they were indeed a privileged people. I mean, there's no doubt that when we look at the nation of Israel in the Old Testament and we look at the nation of Israel in the New Testament, when we look at the prophecies regarding the nation of Israel, there is no doubt that the nation of Israel is a, is a privileged people. I mean, they were God's own. They are God's own people. In Amos chapter 3 and verse 2 and Deuteronomy chapter 14 and verse 2, the nation of Israel is called the apple of God's eye. 
And we can't escape the fact that as far as God's concerned, the nation of Israel is a very special people. They are the children of Abraham. They are the, the children of promise. God granted to the nation of Israel special visions and special revelations. You know, God has uniquely protected the nation of Israel throughout the ages. I mean, you read the Old Testament, you see the hand of God's protection even upon the nation when they were in unbelief, God protected them. And today, God still protects his people even though they're in unbelief today. They're in the land, they're in unbelief, they don't believe in their Messiah, but God's hand of protection is upon the nation of Israel even though most of the world is against them. They are a very special people. He's provided for them. You know, even his chastisement of them is evidence that they bear a special relationship with God. And all of that's true. The problem was not that this was true about them. The problem was that they bragged about it. You know, the Jew believed that they were better than everybody else. And as a result... They were placing their confidence in self and not in God. That's the problem with the nation of Israel. Their confidence is in their citizenship. Their confidence is in who they are. They are Jews. And because, therefore, they are the seed of Abraham, they are okay. They're on the way to heaven. They're God's children. And they're placing their confidence in who they were. They were Jews and not their confidence in God. They relied upon the fact that they were a Jew for salvation. As we know, to rely on anything else other than the finished work of Jesus Christ for salvation is nothing less than foolishness. And this is the problem that the apostles seeking to reveal about the nation of Israel. Yes, they were a privileged people. Yes, they are God's chosen people. Yes, they indeed are Jews. But they were unsaved because they were trusting in themselves and not in God. And the only way to God is Jesus Christ. You know, he is the only way. Isn't that what he says in John 14 6? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cover the Father but by me. And the same is true today for you and I. Christ is the only way of salvation. That's always been the case. From the time of Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned and God made uh, for them those coverings of those skins of those animals, when God shed the blood of those animals, it looked forward to the cross. And all of the Old Testament looked forward to Jesus Christ and his sacrifice upon Calvary. And now you and I look back to Calvary and we see the sacrifice of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary. It's all about Christ. He's the means of salvation for the Jew and for the Gentile alike. There is no other means of salvation. And for all of us who are saved, we learn a lesson here because you know, anytime you and I place confidence in self, then we're asking for trouble. The nation of Israel placed their confidence in who they were and they fell short of salvation. And if you and I as believers place our confidence in what we are rather than in who God is, you and I will have trouble. We must place our confidence in God. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, 
saith the Lord of hosts. Or Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You know, we need to realize that we are what we are because of Christ. And we can only succeed as believers and bring glory to God in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit because of our relationship to Christ. We need to realize it's not our own strength and our own ability, but it's all of God. They were Jews. The second thing we note about them is that they had the law. Look in verse 17 again. Behold, thou art a Jew, thou art called a Jew, and resteth in the law. Resteth in the law. You know, this alone was an unqualified privilege for the nation of Israel. They had the law of God. I mean, that was unique. Amongst all the nations of the world, Israel was the nation that had the law of God. They had the five books of the Pentateuch. And as history went on, God added to that word. He gave to them the law and the prophets. And they had in their possession the very word of God. That made them a very special and privileged people. The problem was they rested in it. Notice what it says there in verse 17. And restest in the law. Now the word restest, restest, Say that in a hurry. In Romans chapter 8, verse 17, means to rely on. Now, there is a sense, is there not, where resting in the law is the right thing to do. To rest in God's word is the right thing to do. You know, as believers, we are to rest or we are to rely upon the word of God as the means of direction of God for our lives. Go with me to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. I'm just notice a few verses here in Psalm 119 about the word of God in relationship to you and I as believers. Verses, some verses we know real well. Verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Verse 11. Thy word is a... Uh, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Verse 16, I will delight myself in thy statutes, I will not forget thy word. Verse 24, thy testimonies also are my delight and my counsellors. Verse 105, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Verse 116, uphold me according unto thy word that I may live and let, not, uh, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. And there's a whole lot more in Psalm 119. But the word of God is something you and I can rest in. You and I can trust in the word of God. You and I can depend upon the word to give to you and I direction and instruction for living. And you and I can have confidence in the word. And you and I can rest in the word. And so there is a sense in which resting in the word is the right thing to do. Resting in the scriptures, resting in the law is the right thing to do. Looking to God's word for direction, looking to God's word for light, looking to God's word for salvation. But you know, the Jews had in mind something completely different when they were relying upon the word. You see, they believed, and they still do believe, if they strenuously obey the law, they could rely upon it as a means by which 
they can be saved. Their confidence was in the law, not in God. They believed that by living the law, by being unique from the other nations, by seeking to obey the law of God, that they were securing for themselves salvation. And they made a twofold mistake by relying on the law. See, they believed that the possession of the law gave them a sense of security. And they also believed it was a means of salvation. And that's the day preaching and keeping the law will not save anybody. You know, somebody could be upstanding and righteous in the sense of keeping the law. They can live by the law, but that does not give them salvation. Only faith alone does that. Look in Romans chapter 4 and verse 5. Let's go back to verse 4. For to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So the one who works, the one who strives to keep the law, finds that it's not reckoned to him of grace, it's reckoned to him of debt. The old account is growing every day by seeking to live by the law, because the law shows how far short you fall of the glory of God. It's to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly that is saved, because his faith is counted for righteousness. You see, keeping the law saves nobody. It's faith alone. Mere possession of the law justifies no one. They had the law. But it didn't justify them. You know, i put it this way to illustrate it, it, it. It's the same as saying that because you and I have the Bible, you and I are spiritual. Okay? i got a Bible and I'm spiritual. That's the case. I possess the Bible. I rely upon the Bible. That makes me spiritual. But it doesn't make me spiritual at all. It's my faith and relationship to Jesus Christ that makes me spiritual. Not the possession of the law, not the possession of the word. Say with a Jew, just because they had the law in their possession, just because they knew the law, just because the law indeed was taught to them day in, day out, did not make them saved. It simply just made the account getting larger every day. Salvation is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. There is no other way of salvation. The law reveals sin, but only Christ can save. They were a Jew, they had the law. Thirdly, they had a special relationship with God. Verse 17 again. Behold, thou art called a Jew, and restest in the law, and makest thy boast of God. They boasted, the word boasted here means gloried, they boasted or gloried in God as a national asset. They bragged as though they had brought about the relation with God by their works, that God was their God because of who they were. Okay? They boasted about the fact that they were God's people. They were the children of Abraham. 
And because they were the children of Abraham, they were God's people, that, that God was our national treasure. Uh, Jehovah God is our God. And, and they bragged about that. They bragged about their relationship as though somehow who they were had brought about this relationship. In fact, the word to brag or to boast is used some 35 times in the writings of the Apostle Paul. Sometimes it's used in a favorable sense. Like in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, please. Galatians 6, 14. Where we read, But God forbid that I should glory, I should boast, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Here is something that you and I can boast in. You and I can glory in. We can glory in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this word boast is used in a positive way. It's also used that way in 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians sorry, chapter 10 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 17. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And so there is times in the word of God where this word boast is used in a positive way. You and I can also glory in some things. We can glory in weakness. For when we are weak, then Christ is strong. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 through 10 tells us. Where Paul is talking about his weakness and the Lord says his strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, I would rather therefore glory in my weakness because of what Christ can do. And we can glory, we can boast in what Christ has done for us, and we should. It's not wrong to glory in what the Lord's done for us. It's not wrong to glory in what Christ has done for us. It's not wrong for you and I to, to brag about, to boast about the, the salvation that's ours because of Christ Jesus. But often the word boast is used in a negative sense, in an unfavorable sense as it is here in Romans chapter 2 and verse 17. It's used that way in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 12. Let's go there, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 1, 12. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I have Apollos, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. And in verse uh, 29, in the same passage, he goes on to say this. He says, uh, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And we can read the whole passage there. But they were glorying in people. They bragged about their relationship to certain people almost as though as, as a badge of honor, as though they owed their salvation to them, you know. The argument was, well, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of this one, you know. I, 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 got, I got saved by Peter, I got saved by, by Apollos. I, it was a bag, badge of honor as though salvation came by these men. And, and Corinthians explains, the Lord explains to Corinthians, it's got nothing to do with the individuals, it's all of Christ. So glorying and exalting the Lord is good and right. But to brag about our close relationship with the Lord as if it was attained by human effort is sinful. And that's what Paul has in mind here. You see, they make us thy boast of God. They boasted about their God 
as though somehow, because of who they were, they had a better God than everybody else. Because we're the seed of Abraham, we have Jehovah as our God. And they boasted about what they had done for their God. And they were trusting in what they were doing for their God, for their salvation. They boasted in what they had done to be in favor with God instead of giving God the credit for what he'd done for them. I mean, all the credit was due to God. I mean, think about it. God was the one who led them out of Egypt. God was the one who led them through the wilderness. God was the one who led them over the Jordan. God was the one who led them into the promised land. It was the Lord who had taken care of them. Jehovah had led them all the way. It had nothing to do with them. In fact, many times they were standing in opposition to God. And God still led them. You know, we see this trend today in the modern church music in some churches. You know, you ever listen to some of them? They're all about what I've done for God, not what God's done for me. And when I hear them, I think to myself, well, what's the point of that? I've done nothing for God. I've got nothing worthy of bragging about. I am what I am by the grace of God. You are what you are by the grace of God. We've done nothing for God. God's done it all for us. And what we are for his glory is because of what he's done in us. Isn't that true? And that was the nation of Israel's problem. They forgot that they were what they were because of God. And we didn't be careful not to forget that we, were, we are what we are because of the grace of God. Let's be careful to make sure that our glorying is in the Lord. And it's just that. That we glory in the Lord. We glory about what he has done, not we have done. Let our glorying be in the Lord, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17. And this was the nation of Israel's problem. They were, they were depending upon the fact they were Jews for their salvation. They were depending upon the fact that they possessed the law for their salvation. They were depending upon the fact that they were God's people. and They boasted about Jehovah for their salvation. But they'd missed the whole point. So fourthly, we read that they was, had a superior knowledge in verse 18. And knowest his will. And approves the thing that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. They thought that they knew God's revealed will. And therefore they boasted that they knew what was important and what was not important. That's what he says there. And they knowest, and knowest his will and approves the things that are more excellent being instructed out of the law. They had been instructed of the law. They knew the will of God and therefore they bragged about that. I mean, after all, isn't that what the law and the prophets is all about? Knowing the will of God? Knowing all the, the different ways to to live, to ensure that you have all the dietary practices right, make sure you have all the, all the ritualism right, make sure that all those things are in place. Isn't that what the law and the prophets is all about? Now, it is true the will of God is found in the word of God. Don't get me wrong. And you and I do study God's word to determine God's will. There's no doubt about that. 
But that is not what it's all about. Go with me to John chapter 5 and verse 39. John chapter 5. And notice what the Lord Jesus Christ says to the Jews. John 5 and verse 39. Let's go back to verse 36 just to get the context. It says, But I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. And the Father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape, and ye have not his word abiding in you. For whom he hath sent, him ye believe not. Now this is the key verse. Search the scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they, have, and they are they which testify of me. This was the crux of the matter. They believed that the possession of the law, they had the scriptures, and they thought the scripture, in that scriptures contained eternal life. And Christ said, you've missed the point. The scriptures are not the eternal life. What they testify of are eternal life. They testify of me. You are seeing the law, you're seeing the scriptures, you're seeing the will of God, but you're not seeing Christ. They miss the most important part of Scripture, that Christ was the Messiah, that Christ was the sacrifice for our sins. Now, they had knowledge of God's will from the Scriptures. And, of course, that's what distinguished them from other nations, didn't it? I mean, you looked at the heathen nations and their, their practices with their uh, eating of meat and that was given unto idols and uh, eating of pork and all the other things. And you looked at the Jews and they didn't eat pork and they didn't eat meat offered unto idols and they bled their meat a different way and they ate certain things on certain days and there were certain rituals and there was washing rituals and there was this ritual and that ritual and there was all these things they had to do. You read the book of Leviticus in particular and you read the Old Testament and you see all these rules and regulations that God gave them for very good reasons, dietary reasons in the wilderness and, and to keep them fit and to keep them well and to look after them. Many of the things that they did are practiced we understand today, washing your hands in running water rather than in a bowl that's not running and, and uh, uh, passing germ from one hand to another hand. Running water cleans your hands. And we learn all that in the Old Testament. There were good practices, but the problem was that they were not intended to bring about salvation. Just because they lived a certain way didn't save them. No more than you and I coming to church saves us. Now we are to come to church, we are to come and worship him, but our salvation is not found in this building, it's found in Jesus Christ. And that was the problem with the Jews. They thought their salvation was in the scriptures. And Christ has searched the scriptures, for in them you think you find eternal life, but they speak of me. They miss the point. Now indeed they should be commended for their uh, moral behavior in the sense of the way they live and the keeping the law but they failed to see Christ they relied on doing not on believing they even approve us the things that are more excellent that's what it says in verse 18 and knowest his will 
and approvest the things that are more excellent. That is, the Jews knew God's will and they are mentally approved of the things written in the law. They approve the excellent things of God's word. The word approvest means to allow, discern, or to examine. It's the word is usually applied to the process of testing or trying metals by fire. And here it's referring to the fact that the Jews boasted of their knowledge of what was conformable to the will of God. He boasted that he could discern God's will from the law of God. He said, I know the law, I know what God's will is according to the law. In fact, they got themselves in so much trouble that by the time Christ came, they had so many rules and regulations that weren't even in the law, seeking to help them to interpret the law. Remember the Christ said to them, you know, about different things? Remember he got in trouble. He was going through a field and his disciples took some corn to eat on the Sabbath day and the, the Pharisees got upset with him and the Sadducees and the uh, Sanhedrin got upset with him and saying, how dare you? And the Lord said, listen, you know, you've misunderstood what the Sabbath's all about. And then, you know, they got upset with, you know, eating with unwashed hands and he said, you've missed the point of all of that too. It's not what goes in the man that defiles a man, but what comes out of a man. What's in his heart. Sure, they knew the law. Sure, they could discern the will of God from the law. Sure, they knew what Jehovah expected of them, behavior-wise, from the law, but they missed the point. The word excellent there in verse 18, knowest, and knowest his will, and provest the things that are more excellent, is that which is essential and more, most valuable. The reference here is to the rites and the customs, to the distinction of meats and days prescribed by the law of Moses. They could tell you what they should do with regard to meat, what they should do with regard to customs, what they should do with regard to rites, etc. The Jew would pride himself on the fact that they'd been taught by the law to make these distinctions. He knew what was the best way to live. What was the most excellent way to live? While the pagan world had been left in ignorance of these things. And you could see a stark difference between the nation of Israel and the nation around about them. There was a difference about them. They, they lived a different way. They ate a different way. They acted a different way. They were different. And they could discern from the, the word of God, what was those things that were approved of God and made their way, their life more excellent. And indeed, living God's law is the best way. There is no doubt that the Jews were better off living by the law in the wilderness than living by that which they'd done in Egypt. There is no doubt that the Jew, living the way they did, had better health outcomes than if they had lived the way that the heathen lived. There is no doubt that these practices were not dumb. These were good things. They were good health regulations that God gave to them and good principles to live by and good days to celebrate and have feasts and rites and rituals. These were all good things. But they were not the means of salvation. In fact, they were instructed out of the law. It says there in verse 18, being instructed out of the law. 
They'd been instructed out of the Mosaic law, day in, day out. They knew it backwards. From the moment they were born to the moment they went to the grave, they were taught the law of Moses. They understood it. They knew the will of God. And they boasted that they knew the things that please God. It's true, they knew the law. But they failed to understand that the law could not save them. In fact, the law simply revealed their hearts. They were sinners. They were relying on the law of salvation, law for salvation, not God. And although the Jews should be grateful for the law, because that was God's gift to them, they needed to understand mere possession of the law justifies no one. They had to see the law for what it was. Doesn't the word of God tell us the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ? It does, because that's what Romans tells us. The law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The whole point of the law was to reveal to you and I that we're sinners. You see, he has got standard righteousness, the law. And you and I can't live up to that standard of righteousness, therefore we're sinners. The law was never given to give us salvation. It was given to bring us to a place where we know we needed salvation. It was given to show you and I that we're sinners before a holy God so that we turn to Christ for salvation. It was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ so that by faith you and I would believe in him. They had the law, but they failed to realize the law came with great responsibility. If they were going to be saved by the law, they had to keep the whole law. James 2.10 tells us, For whosoever shall keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. The whole point is nobody can keep the whole law all the time. And Christ kind of raised the stakes in the, to the Jews when he was on earth because he said, you say, but I say. You say that you, thou shalt not kill, but I say, even if you think in your hearts, hatred towards your brother, you've killed him already. See, this really wasn't about keeping the law even outwardly alone. It was keeping the heart, law in the heart. So the Jew may well say, well, I've never murdered anybody. But the Lord would say to him, well, have you ever hated anybody? Well, you've broken the law. And if you've offended in one point, you're guilty of it all. You can't have a half-baked relationship to the law. If you want to be saved by the law, you must keep it from the moment of your birth to the moment of your death in its entirety and never, ever so much offend any point of the law. And nobody can do that. Because the law was given not to save you and not to save me, but given so that we might know that we are sinners before a holy God. Failure to keep the whole law means certain judgment. You see, with great privilege comes great responsibility. And the Jew didn't understand why these things were so... He didn't understand why he was a Jew. It had nothing to do with his salvation. That was God's place. 
He thought the law would save him. It didn't. He thought the fact that he uh, could make his boast in God, that he had Jehovah as his God, that that was his salvation. The fact that he knew the will of God was his salvation. And the Lord says, listen, none of those things save you. Now, he doesn't actually get to that point until the next chapter. We know that in Romans. Because he's simply just taking these two chapters to show that everybody on the face of the earth is a sinner before a holy God. So then he can launch into how you get saved in chapter 3, 4, and 5. But the reality is that salvation doesn't come by any of these means. And as believers, we can say we know God's word. You and I can study God's word. You and I can memorize God's word. But we need to remember that with that responsibility, with that privilege rather, comes responsibility. You and I are to be doers of the word, not hearers only. You know, the Jew was a doer of the word, but didn't listen to God and get saved. You and I who are saved, we're commanded that now we are saved, you and I are to do the word of God, not just hear it. You see, the difference is that you and I now have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. We have the ability to obey and do the word of God. And we should to his glory. Somebody said, wealth of knowledge does not atone for lack of practice. And you and I need to practice what we know to be true. You know, the Jew got it back to front. They practiced to be saved. And that was wrong. But their practice wasn't wrong. Okay, they were trying to keep the law. That was not the problem. The problem was they got it back to front. They were trying to work their way to heaven. You and I are saved by grace through faith. And now you and I are not working to get to heaven. But you and I are indeed under an obligation for a holy God. To, in his strength and his power to live by his word. To his glory. You know, the Jews were indeed a privileged people, but they failed to trust and rely upon God for salvation. So the things that they trusted in witnessed against them. And the apostle goes on to give another four items in which the Jews believed themselves to be better in verses 19 to 20. And each of those things will indeed condemn them for the same reason these first four condemn them. And we'll look at that next time. But tonight, let's never forget that salvation is found in Christ alone. And let's praise God that we're saved by grace through faith and not of works, lest any man should boast. Gracious Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for the book of Romans. I do pray, Father God, that we have been blessed by your word tonight. And Lord, we would continually remember that salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and not of works. And Lord, we do, do ask that you would help us to remember daily that salvation is because of what Christ did and to give thanks unto you for that very truth. Lord, commend your word to our hearts this night, we pray. Bless we close in Jesus' name. Amen.